good morning. July 31st, 2022, Leather and Limits, Episode 5, and we're here to talk about power exchange dynamics. With me today, Devil and Knox, as always. Hello, y'all. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> talk about a heady topic. I, <laughs> there's going to be some weight to this one, and there's no way around it, so I'm going to... I'm going to preface with the caveats of, one, anybody's questions are openable in the chalkboard, as always. Um, we do look there actively during the entire show, just so that people have a chance to get some input in. More importantly, Dom and submissive-specific types we will be handling separately in separate episodes in the future. We're not going to get that deep into either role, because it'll lose the message. We're going to cover those things individually at some point, because those deserve their own space. Where do you want to start? <laughs> right? Fuck, where can you start? Everywhere? I mean... Mm-hmm. I mean, you can start with the obvious, but... Well, it can be. You're absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, even if you've never set foot in BDSM, at some point you've probably had a power exchange situation going on, even if it's simple as, you know, boss and coworker, coworker and employee, or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. At some point, you have accepted or given power to another for one reason or another. Like, that's the nature of the beast. We just happen to play in a space where we do it on purpose. Yeah. Because we like it. I was going to say, because we like it. (laughs) You can take it all the way down to your primordial self, down to your basic instincts, Mm -hmm. to fight or run. It's a power exchange. Right? That's very true. (sighs) That's very true. Well, and I think that's the hugest difference is where, you know, the nature of power exchange dynamics, it does happen in everyday life all the time. It's it's not just us. It's the animal world, too. Like, power exchanges happen everywhere. Look at the sociality of a wolf pack, for example, where literally mm-hmm. it's a power struggle of who's on top at all times. It may be subtle at times because they do put implicit trust in their alpha to lead the pack. But at any point, they think that he's not doing the right job. He is replaceable, and that's that. Yep. Mm-hmm. The alpha can be uprooted. Today. Exactly, and, and that's true of any social pack. You know, either. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is like you talk about power exchanges, the fetish though. It's not only are you seeking that power exchange out, you're fetishizing it. Yes. So it's, you know, when it becomes sexual like that, I mean, yeah, we all have relationships with our bosses and family and things like that, but they're not sexual. There's no sexual component to that power exchange. It's not a motivator. That's where it gets fun. Well, and this is where the bigger. Go ahead, Devil. No, I was was good. That's what I was going to say. Oh, fair enough. (laughs) I was only going to say that that actually brings up probably one of the best questions of all, and it's early on enough to cover all the other things, but. When you fetishize a power exchange, in its own nature, because we've we've talked before and many people talk about the fact that power exchanges, even within kink, can be sexual and non-sexual. Is it still fetishized in a non-sexual, deliberate dynamic? Of course it is. 100%, because it's still a motivator. I agree with you. I was just curious what your thoughts were. (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be sexualized to be self-gratifying and at the, That's at, the underlying, at the underlying side of both of them whether it be sexualized or not you're still getting gratification 
trumps a power exchange. Yeah, because there's like, I mean, I'll use myself as an example. I have several yes relationships that are non-sexual. Right. There is no sexual. I mean, is there a sexual component to the activities that we do? Yes. We are not in a sexual fluid bonded type relationship as right. boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. You know what I mean? Exactly. But I'm still in, very much in a DS relationship with that person. I still exert power and control over their daily life. They still choose to submit to me. And ultimately, it's because we are both getting a type of sexual gratification. But it, it, we're not, you know, penetrating one another. <laughs> right. No, I agree with all of that, though. Absolutely. I happen to think the same way about it. I was just curious. Because it's something that I think people don't – they don't really think it through when they process, when they step into the – you know, their toe into the BDSM world for the first time, especially in our uh, – as we're fond of calling it, the vocal minority. All us noisy bastards in the, you know, DS community of – in the grander scheme, which is an even smaller percentage to begin with. But we make a lot of the noise. So, you know, people have a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions because despite the fact that there's not that many of us in the grander percentage, mm -hmm. we tend to be the most obvious. You know, we're the ones holding up neon signs and slapping people in the face because they ask for it, uh, yep. <laughs> as it were. But, but, that's, but that's the thing is a lot of people don't understand that when it comes to power exchange, that's the minority when it comes to kink. It really is. Like they, they don't. It, because it is, like you said, the louder majority, because we're constantly preaching communication and, you know, all that other happy stuff. But when you when you look at the broader BDSM kink umbrella, it's such a minute group that has contracts. It's a very minute group that is doing collaring and having ceremonies and this things like that. This is very true. Yeah. At most, most people engage with play callers and things like that. So it's it's what I call transactional. It's for yeah, a scene. That's accurate. Right? It's, and is... it's not that it's less valid. It's just it's no, more common it's just... to see transactional power exchange than it is yeah. purposeful setup dynamic. Because it fits that moment at the time, whether it's at an event, mm -hmm. whether it's at home with a partner, whether it's whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's for that length of scene, whatever it is. Well, even if it's something that you do with each other like daily, it's still just for the length of that scene. And then you go about your daily lives. It's the rest of us that are like, well, we want to do this all the time. <laughs> this isn't just an in-the-bedroom thing. We kind of want to do this a lot. It's because it's sexier. Well, yes. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone here would argue that, but... Actually, I'd be kind of worried if any of us did, all things considered. I... <laughs> no, this isn't for me. Are you kidding? I hate it. I... <laughs> what? How dare you, freak? Uh, right? Zoom in on my experience and why that would be confusing. I mean... <laughs> no, nah, I'm not really into this. It's boring. <laughs> it's very boring. I just go through the motions because it looks cool. I'm <laughs> so let me, let me yeah. ask you about this, since we're diving into the deep end this early. Go for it. What made you decide that you wanted to engage in power exchange dynamics? What made you seek out your first dynamic? Oof. I'm going to let Neville answer this one first, only because our our particular origins all differ the way they do, and mine is going to mm -hmm. be a little bit of a lengthy answer because of the nature of how I came to kink. Oh, I mean, I came to kink in pretty much a well, pretty straightforward way. I mean, everybody knows this. I was just born and raised into this lifestyle. Right. It's quite literally what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. 
having a dominant male as a father who was a practicing leatherman who at the point at that point in time in his life i mean i didn't really know much about his house i didn't know anything else about any of that kind of stuff just a child they kept that kind of that side from me it was the moral grounding he gave me on that other side right that you stand up you be a man you treat people with respect and you show that respect you openly mm-hmm. communicate you speak how you feel it, it's just weird seeing the way most of us men in our age grew up that we stuff our feelings down we don't talk about that we don't do this to have a, a male figure who's telling you opposite yet what brought me to the power exchange side of it was literally watching my mother sit at his feet every single night for hours and it's not it's not the the placement of her as how it was it was the look on her face the look on his face the contentment the con- the contentment the connection between the two of them that what they were doing was right for lack of a better word it was right it felt right and so yes, when I when I started to grow up, and I even I even began practicing in my own way before I was old enough to do so. I guess if you want to put it that way, because you know, everybody has their age limit of eighteen, which is what it is. Right. But you know, at fifteen years old, I started to dabble, and that's just sort of how it went. But it was seeing that type of lifestyle, seeing that type of connection, seeing bonds that would never be broken. Mm-hmm. It's it's what I went after. It was, you know, the same as looking at my grandparents who, you know, they were all aware of what went down between them, but they weren't a part of it. Because you right. see those 50, 60 year relationships of two people that even when they fucking hate each other entirely, <laughs> still have enough determination to stick it out with each other. Yeah. It's finding those bonds. It was it's that bonding and communication between the two of them that even when it fucking sucked, and believe me, life sucked when what happens. That they were willing to work through it. And I've seen many, many, many other relationships through my lifetime, friends, family, others that that's never was never there. So it just sort of is what it is. So there's my spiel. <laughs> no, I can appreciate that, actually, because that makes a lot of sense the way you grew up. It just beats the norm, for lack of a better way to put it. It pretty much was. <laughs> right? Hmm. Well, and I'm, you know, we, we talk about the 18-year-old age limit, and I, I think it doesn't hurt to mention it, because I'm sure it's something we'll mention time and time again. God knows we say it all the time elsewhere anyway. It's not that people don't explore before that. God knows I didn't decide at 18 that I'm legally allowed to bother to pursue it. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody makes that active decision. Oh, I have to wait till I'm 18. Damn. Uh, bullshit. Not Every, at all. Everybody's fooling around long before that if they're exploring that way. I oh, yeah. think it's more we as a communal group, aka Kingsters as a whole, kind of subtly recognize that 18 is the basic age of consent for our purposes. I know that different countries have different laws and different actual ages of requirement for that, and that's fine. 
Like, I totally respect everybody's laws are different and why they're different culturally. But for the purposes of consensual active kink, we prefer someone to be considered legally an adult in the minority. In that sense, they have to be at least old enough for the law to say it's okay for safety for everybody, them as well as us. Because you are going to have the the thirty five year old daddy who's talking to the twenty year old, and you're going to have the the twenty five year old and the eighteen year old, and you're going to have the two eighteen year olds that just came in together. And it's Mm -hmm. we want you to be part of the community. We don't just mm-hmm. want you to be exploring because you're going to do that on your own anyway, whatever age you're at. Mm-hmm. It's legally for everyone's safety. Yours included at that point. You should be a part of this at the right age so that nobody, if something does go wrong in that, you know, the unlikely event we all live against, but we still plan for it because it's what we do. You need to be legally accessible so that if anything comes up, the other person isn't punished unnecessarily severely simply because of your age. Yeah. Above and beyond the obvious mm-hmm. things like, you know, we don't recognize consent the same way until you're 18 because you're not really good at it until at least then. And even then you're not really good at it, but at least it's, you <laughs> know, really barely really acceptable. <laughs> like I said, you're still feral. Yeah, that's accurate though. That's absolutely mm-hmm. accurate. I mean, you can be in your forties and still be feral. I mean, right? Well, I was going to sure, say. I mean, but then you're trying. Well, I was going to say, but the difference is sometimes you don't outgrow feral; you just get smarter. Yeah, <laughs> it's the smarter part that's kind of the key because you can be Start thirty and stupid. Other feral people. Right, but you can be thirty and have the mindset of a fifteen-year-old, and that's not what we want. We want the person mm-hmm. who's feral and then maybe you know sharpen their claws because they know what they're doing. <laughs> As it were, if we're going to follow the vein on it, we could just run all the way. Um, <laughs> right. But it's, it's, you know, and even at 18, some of us consider like, like our servers are a great example because we don't allow, you know, females under 22, males under 25. And there's people that always wonder about that because it's not an 18 plus. And it's like, because mm-hmm. experience just in the server, mind you, we're not even talking about out there over however many years oh, you've life. done stuff with other people kinky or not let's just talk Mm -hmm. about this server the Mm -hmm. number of people who've come in and taught us that these age requirements are there for a reason Mm -hmm. and they're there for a reason Mm -hmm. because consensually we have found that males and females of those age brackets tend to be mature enough to handle what we're talking about in a way that is both consensual functional educational for them if they're looking to learn and everyone can participate in the fuckery in the way we prefer, which is just having a good time and not worrying about the semantics of immaturity. I which is kind of the that point. Age, that age, they're reaching out for a community too, though, because they're wanting right. to learn all those things, but they're trying to, in a sense, create a personal network and like a personal security net. Oh, yeah. Thing. And so they're, they are learning and exploring and they're doing stuff that they would do regardless. But the perk is they're no longer learning in a vacuum and potentially doing really unsafe things. Like they'll have people right. that they can bounce ideas off of. They can say, hey, so I know you're going to try this dumbass thing anyway. Let me help you to make it less dangerous for yourself. You know, or you know what? You you are really excited about that specific fetish or that specific kink. Here's somebody that's knowledgeable that can set you on a healthy path of discovery right. and not one of mm-hmm. self-harm. Right? Well, which yeah. is, again, why I think people seek out dynamics. I'll agree I think with that. There's, right? Because there's a safety 
And you know you've got somebody guiding you, whether it's a mentor, a dominant, you know, a leather house, whatever it might look like for you. You seek that out for guidance because I think most people are smart enough to know that there's so much out there that they get overwhelmed. Yeah. So if you have somebody willing to guide you and take part in that process, um, it is safer. And I think people tend to learn faster. I agree. You know, I'm not I'm not a big fan of setting people up for failure. And I'm not a big fan no, of, it defeats you know, the point. fuck it, try it. Yeah. Like, because I see that a lot of people, like, their form of mentoring is like, oh, well, you think you know everything, go try it. And it's like, you're not But that's not mentoring. Them. Yeah. That's no, not showing them a damn thing. It's letting them figure it out for themselves, which they were going to do without you. I mean... <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So why are you engaging in that dynamic, right? Right. But, but it's like a Dom Seb. I mean, it's, and I've evolved, I will say this, I have evolved in my kink journey enough that I do not like taking new submissives under me. I will engage with new submissives as play partners, but not as a dynamic partner. I can appreciate that. I think it takes... It's hard. It's, it takes a certain kind of mentality to be willing to start from scratch with every person. It really does. And it's a different scale. And there's... It takes a different level of fortitude and a willingness to put your own life second. Like, it's not the same as, say, a standard... Like, even if it is a master-slave dynamic or a, a daddy little girl, it doesn't matter what the particular dynamic form is. Mm-hmm. It requires a different level of investment because you can't be the same, I'm the dom, I make the rules, and you do what I tell you, in the same no, sense, because they're going mm-hmm. to ask a lot more questions. They're going to be a yeah. lot less practiced. They're not going mm-hmm. to know how protocol works. They're not going to understand that you expect a certain kind of response. They just won't. It's not their fault. It's literally that they don't know. And it's up to you to educate them as well as train them for you in the traditional yeah, sense of DS even, already. And that requires a different level of work. But even coming, even coming to ground the grounds of finding a fairly educated submissive, one who has done their research, has their friends, has been inserted into the community for it. And isn't toxic you. because of bad doms in the first place. Exactly. They yeah. don't know you. They don't know what it is that you expect. They don't know right. what it is that you're looking for. And these things, they don't just happen immediately. No. They happen over years. And you have to invest your time. I mean, you want to go back to the power exchange. It, this is a two-way street here. The power right. exchange is equal between both sides of it. We invest our time. We invest our love and our knowledge. Yes, just as, exactly. Just as much as they invest within us. This is it's an entirely equal exchange. Right. Well, and that's the thing is in experienced submissives, like it's one thing if you simply. You know, you run into someone and maybe they have a year or two and they've had one bad dom or two bad doms or whatever. And they're not toxic, but they're they're at least familiar with the ideas. But you still ultimately mm-hmm. like the nature of why we call it training before you earn your collar. It's literally because you're training them not just as a kinkster. It's also walking them through things that they want to explore. But more importantly, it's training them to suit your needs. And that's kind of the point. Ultimately, of a DS is that you're customizing your lifestyle to fit each other, and that's yep. part of what training's about. It's not, you know, we say training, and we don't 
people automatically assume it means we're training you because you don't know anything. And that's not accurate. Hmm. It's you're being trained to suit the dominant you have chosen. Right. Whereas that's what I mean by when you talk about inexperienced or completely unexperienced submissives of any kind who are trying to walk into the lifestyle and more importantly, want to walk into a dynamic. You need a different layer of understanding and patience because they don't know Mm -hmm. Dick to begin with. You're not just teaching them how to be with you. You're teaching Mm -hmm. them how to be a kickster in the first place. That takes a different level of dedication and a willingness to put your own self on hold. That's why I call them feral, because at that stage, they don't have any of that. They don't have a sense of community. They don't have a sense of right. boundaries, propriety, things like that. So, no. like, and that's, it's hard. It's, and it's hard to teach them that like, these are my protocols. Here's the things that I want you to, to be of service to me, to be of help for me. And then teach them about the broader community as a whole, because they can't distinguish the two. They start thinking that your house protocols and the way that you are is the community. Right. And, and they, you can't do so that. It's not. And no, so it's like, can't. for me, I hate it because, and, and again, it's, it's always the people that reach out to you online at first. They're like, teach me, teach me, teach me, teach me. And it's like, teach you to what? Well, <laughs> yeah, I really? You, you want to serve me how? Like, <coughs> right now you can serve me by shutting the fuck up. Like, right. I and mean... so it's, they come to you and they're like, it, cause it cracks me up. They come to you and they're like, yeah, teach me. You know, protocols. I want to be high protocol. Okay, great. But understand my version of high protocol may not be someone else's. Right. So I'm not in it because I've had this request before too. I need you to teach me so when I find my dominant, I can serve them better. Nope. And I'm like, wow. I'm not here to train you for somebody else. Wow. But I've been asked that. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a femdom or like like what it is. It probably is somewhat. I think that plays a part, unfortunately. Um, and I say unfortunately for a reason because it shouldn't be that way, but it is you know the, the nature of social dynamics above and beyond power exchange dynamics. Like you fit a certain look, you fit a certain sense yeah. that scratches a certain way for them, in a way that makes them want to need more. And the problem is that they don't actually know what that means yet, and that's part of the problem. It is, and it's not their fault. It's literally they don't know any better. Hence, feral. You know, you can be 40 and feral because you've never set foot into anything beyond missionary before. Like, that still counts. And in some ways, that's technically harder. As someone who's now in his 40s, like, you don't come to things the same way at 40 years old that you do at 20. Because you've reached a point in your life where, you know, we're generally pretty good about being open-minded as a whole. But all three of us can sit here and understand the fact that we're not... Our perspectives are a little more focused than they would have been at 20. They're a little more willing to be filtered. Where at 20, you just kind of take everything in and you don't really turn the filter up because you don't know any better yet. We tend to turn it up, good and bad, in the nature of what we are. So someone coming to kink for the first time at 40 or even 50 has all these societal taboos and filters that they've learned and adjusted to and grown with that they have to first work to undo before they can even enjoy themselves. And that's not their fault. It's literally the nature of being a person, of being a human. We just live that way. You have to pretty much unlearn the way you were brought up. You know, there's a reason that when we... There's a lot of conditioning, yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's no different a conditioning than what we do in in power exchange dynamics, actually. It's just (laughs) in a different vein for different things, and it's societal instead of specifically one-on-one. It is, yeah. 
Um, but that's, but that's but I think that's why people seek it out. Yes, exactly. Especially it's uncomfortable. At, well, and I think people forget that at eighteen, you know, we as a as a species at eighteen, at least at this school, this you know particular cultural group in the West, you know, at eighteen, you're done with high school, and for this country at the very least, I won't speak for every country in the world, but I suspect most Western cultures are at least similar in the mentalities of how their society grows and adjusts. Mm-hmm. Your high school years are over. If you're lucky, you have high school friends you will maintain contact with as they go mm-hmm. off to college, you go off to college, if you go to college, if you can afford to go to college, if your parents can afford, blah, 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 blah. All the different ins and outs that come with you are now of age and the world is going to change on you. Your high school is over. Your school years are over. The structure you were literally raised in is gone unless you actively pursue it further. And you can no longer do that on a whim. It's no longer, well, I just want to do it. Now it's there's the cost of real life has come to it. You have to be able to afford or get a loan or have someone pay for your further education at that point. So you are left in this vacuum of trying to process being a grown-up, whether you want to be or not in the eyes of the law. Your friends are all doing the same thing, and they may or may not be doing it anywhere near you anymore. Because you're not all going to the same facility a couple miles down the road. You may be scattering in all directions at this point. Some of them will stay home and work for their dad. Some of them will go get a job in another state. Some of them will go off to college. And you're all going separate ways and trying to figure out life at the same time. So would it really be a shocker for an 18-year-old to come to Kink and be like, oh, this is a structure I could use. I need this. This will help me figure out the rest of my shit. Mm -hmm. And it's understandable. It's perfectly understandable. In a world that has become chaos, like a bomb went off, the idea of a community that lives on structure, communication, emotion, and exploration would make perfect sense to a fresh kid out of high school. Unfortunately, we also recognize that they're no good at it yet. And so you reach a certain age like we are where we don't directly interact with 18 year olds the same way anymore but mm. like you knocks mm. like i will actively if i see someone come through even in our service filter like if they come through and they're articulate even if they're still a little too young for us to give them a chance it isn't a common for i'll shoot them a message and be like hey you should at least go here going back to you know i don't like hurting people if i can't help them you know i can't help that 18 year olds are 18 for the purposes of, say, joining our community here on the server. Right. But I would like to at least steer them in the right direction because they're going to look elsewhere anyway. I want them to at least know where to start looking. For them, because just because I can't accept them here doesn't mean I don't want them to learn. Because they're going to learn anyway. So it's a question of, do you want them to learn not to kill themselves or other people or... Do you want mm-hmm. them to learn all the bad things that come with the toxic ocean up there? You know, our, our surface feeder analogy is I'm fond of going back to. I don't want them finding that mm-hmm. crap instead. And they might anyway, but I'd rather they have the tools to recognize it for what it is. And I don't think, not only will they not recognize kink for what it is, but they need to have some kind of life experience so that there's a framework. You have Agreed. to have something to work from. 
you know, and I'll use the military as a prime example. Like it's another great when, example. When the, yeah, it is. But you know, these young kids show up absolutely green, wet behind the ears, right? <laughs> look, and a lot of them go into it seeking benefits, but looking for that structure, looking for something they can belong in. You know, there's, there's so many different emotions that for that, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old that's seeking out the military. Right. And I think it's the same with kink. You know, they, they start out young. You got it. You want to experience all the cool things. It's all sexy. It's exciting. It's fun. It's taboo. Um, you know, it's, it's not mainstream, even, right. even by today's standards, it's still not mainstream, even nope. though you may be kink aware. And then they dive into it and find out that there's this whole world that opens up. And I don't know, I think anybody for the first like three to four years, you lose your mind. You know, you you dive into it head first because it's it's hedonistic. You're getting your rocks off in ways that you never thought possible. You're being, ex you know, exposed to sexy things. You're being exposed to sexy people, you know, and most people are not exposed to the level of nudity and stuff like that that you find, especially if they're in the public arena. And so it's... I really do think for the th first three to four years, I do say that they're feral because they're operating completely off of base instinct and emotion. I'll agree with that. And you have to burn through that, you know, and I won't even equate it to frenzy because frenzy implies that they've found something. Yeah, the that's period true. Before they can frenzy. Right. And so until they, like, I will take somebody in frenzy because I can use that. I can teach that. That's fair. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can help that. But if they haven't hit that point yet, it's really hard to say, here, let me show you a better way, or let me show you an easier way to help train you or to help help you learn how to play safely, whatever it is. And I, for me personally, I refuse to engage in any kind of dynamic with people that are in that first, I would say, one to three year range in kink. That's fair. Because I... I me personally, it is mentally exhausting as a dominant. <laughs> you don't have to try tell to me. harness somebody like that. <laughs> I'm the dumbass yeah. who thinks this is a fun idea. So <laughs> they are fun because, right? Because I mean, the other thing when you're engaging with people that are new to kink, to me, that re-energizes us old kinksters. That's also very true. Right? I mean, that like, wasn't I the goal when I started, but right. But it is a case where. Like, you know, I've reached an age where I no longer associate with the 20-year-olds either way because I feel that that's a little uncomfortable for my age group. For me, not right. for, you know, I know age is just a number and God knows I am the last person on earth to tell people that age gaps shouldn't be and all that. And I'm never going to tell anyone that. But I found that in my mid-40s, as I am now, whether I like it or not, I'm not going to be able to, or even as a dominant, like, because even as a dominant submissive situation, they're still 19, 20, 21. And being able to communicate culturally with someone that young is going to be so hard. Because they're living in a different generational group. They don't know the things I do and vice versa. They live in a different lingo than I do. And mm -hmm. to process that, it's like learning two different languages for them as well as you. It's not just on your side. It's yeah. on theirs too. Yeah. And it's almost a disservice to take someone on, even an experience you can teach them, as opposed to bringing them to someone you know who would be more capable of interacting with them mm -hmm. is the best way I can explain it. Because it's like if you speak English and they speak Spanish, 
you might know a little Spanish, they might know a little English, but you want them to be with someone who could be, you know, who's bilingual. Right. And able to communicate through both because that's how they're going to learn best. And you don't mm-hmm. want to misteach them anything as a result. Exactly. And there will be miscommunication because you don't speak the same language. And that's exactly the way I describe that. It's not that there's anything wrong with being 20. It's that I personally cannot articulate to you the same way anymore. So rather than actively being a dumbass to myself and beating (laughs) my head against a wall, interacting with someone who's going to be too young to actually grow together in any real capacity without it ultimately being unhealthy, because sooner or later someone's going to get hurt, no matter how well intended. It would be a better service for them for me to show them the way to someone who will be more capable of interacting with them better. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that mentality. Yeah. You know, I do. I associate with people closer to the 25 plus spectrum for myself, regardless of experience, because they've had a few years on them. I've had a few years on me. And they're just close enough to my social range that they at least understand what I talk about when I mention things like the Berlin Wall falling. (laughs) Which I don't expect them to know. It was long before they were born, even at 26, 27. I know that. But they at least know of it. It's so ageist. (laughs) It is. And it's it's a terrible ageist example because it's from long enough ago. But it's a good example in the sense of if I refer to something culturally for myself because of the way I grew up and raised and lived, I at least need my partner to have a recognition of its existence. They don't necessarily have to be interested, aware, well-knowledged. They just have to be capable of articulating they see what I'm talking about. You know, without too much, you know, not spending an hour breaking down the language first because there's a barrier. And that's all that is. I don't know, because like when I I agree to mentor somebody or I first take them on, like I kid you not, it's almost like a college course. It is. We've talked about this before, but it's because of that. I want to make sure we're using the same terminology and communicating effectively. And I can't do that if I don't think you have a foundation for it. Right. Now, like. Rope is a great example. Oh, yes. I can't sit there and start talking about tying you and uplines and he, she's and things like that. And you've never seen Shibari or you've never seen Kenbaku, right? No, so exactly. So it's, it's idiotic for me to sit down and try to teach you rope and be like, okay, so now we're going to go over how to tie a Futamomo. So I'm going to show you the rope. And the person's like, a Futa what? I think and rope's a say, oh, great a example for that reason because it's <laughs> rope yeah. is easily the other one of the other spokes of the wheel in kink in that regard, the way DS dynamics are, and that it's it is not a majority any more than we are, but it very much has its own structure and lingo and understandings that are well beyond the standard in a scene. Yeah. And it's it's very much a case where those in the know actively know because they have to the same way we do like it has its own rules and regulations and processes above and beyond good old kinkery god rope has its own negotiation exactly it's completely separate from other types and that's of why it's a great example because it, it's kind of mm-hmm. like a, a partner in that regard to us that way in the oh, ds absolutely. end of the world because of the same things it needs the same kind of need to understand it needs a level of understanding and education to even get into it's not something you walk in on day one to an event and you just start getting tied up 
<laughs> it's not like that. Every, every, everything that's even that goes with film. I mean, every single time you can tie the same tie a thousand times and still get a different result every single time. Yes. Oh, 100%. Exactly. That's, that's why it is an entirely, it's an entirely separate thing, yet it is completely involved. Exactly. It's what, <clears throat> it's what rope is one of my favorites because I can do the same thing a thousand times and get a different result every single time. Yeah. Every time. Well, and that's the... Yeah. Like, that's the very nature of it. And I, I want there to be a caveat because I need people to understand for those that listen in who don't know us from a hole in the wall or just coming uh-huh. to Kink for the first time or even just coming to the cod- podcast for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, you are quite capable of walking in on day one at 19 to an event and getting tied up and understanding it and processing it and being a good rope bottom. It's not impossible. I'm not saying don't do no. it or no one will accept you. It's not like that. I would that's never true. say that. Not ever. Not in a million years. It's that we recognize that there is a percentage base that is lower when you first come into kink with no experience, where, like, DS Dynamics, like Rope, where it requires a little bit more filtration of understanding out of the gate. And it's not that we don't think you can't, it's that we recognize that many people who are first coming in already have so much on their plate that they may not make good decisions in those arenas and may ultimately hurt themselves or others in the process. Mm-hmm. But it's not because we don't give you the ability to take the tools. Um, the tools are always going to be available. <laughs> they will be, but I think that right there is the very definition of consent. It is. If you don't I have agree. the tools, you're not consenting. I so agree. I'm not going to be as comfortable to engage with you as a new person because you don't no. know what you're consenting to. No, yeah, but that's exactly it. Can't walk up to somebody and be like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take this massive fish hook I have here, and I'm going to shove it through your shoulder. And then I'm going to take this other one, <laughs> shove it through your other shoulder, and I'm going to suspend you from this gantry and have them go, ooh, yes, that sounds like fun. Let's do so. And then look at them and go, have you ever done this before? Do you have any idea what it is I'm about to do? Well, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it looks cool. Yeah. Which is understandable. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with that reaction. I totally appreciate because it does sound cool. Yeah, and you know, I mean, yeah. Is it is it awesome as hell? Of course it is. Is it fun as hell to do? Of course it is. Right. You've never done it before, so you're not going to be my hook box. Sorry. No. Well, and I think it's more a point of when it comes to rope or DS dynamics or any other, you know, edge play of it as the category. I think Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of you can't come to it early. It's that. If you come to it early without experience, you need to recognize that it is in a box. For lack of a better way to put it, if you look at kink as a as a giant pile of things, you know, like somebody detonated a kid's toy bomb in the middle of the room. And you have these pacifiers and you have rattles and you have toys and blocks and dolls and all the things that make up kink. And they're just all over the place for you to pick up and play with at your leisure and figure out. There's a box in the back labeled DS Dynamics. There's a box in the back labeled Rope and a box in the back labeled Edge Play. There's a couple of other boxes, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you can't go into and play with these boxes. It's that you recognize, you have to recognize that these boxes are separated from the pack for a reason. Yes. And there are additional labels. caveats and things that go with. Maybe it's that it's a box of Lego, so there's some assembly required. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a box of mechanized tools where this requires a different level of understanding because you have to get them to work, etc. 
But it's not that you can't be there, and it's not that you can't walk up and play in the box. It's that you have to recognize the box exists for a reason. And as long as you can keep that mentality, you can be 19 years old with no kick experience, and I'll happily have a conversation with you about it. If you can articulate at least that you recognize that you need to know more. And it's not just, oh, you're a daddy, come, help me. No, no, no. (laughs) And here's here's another one for someone with more of an analytical mind that runs along the same lines. That you have a whole wall of chemicals. They are all dangerous, and they're all fun under the one roof. And then you have a book that's sitting next to the side of it. You know, a, a material data safety sheet. You know, yeah. MSDS. It's there. <laughs> it's, it's there for a reason. Look no, up that's what a great you're example. Play, look up what you're about to play with. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Speak to, people who, speak to people who have done it. You, don't, you can't just walk into any of this shit blind. It doesn't matter how mild it may be. It's the same with any type of power exchange. Don't walk into the blunt. I was going to say, any assembler in the last 50 years or any tech support agent in the last 50 years has a very simple saying. It's called RTFM, and it applies yep. to kink the same way. Read the fucking manual. No, read the fucking manual. You know, it sounds ridiculous, because it is, but it's because sure. it's accurate, because nobody reads the damn manual. And the problem is, Make in the sense. arenas we play in, you have to read the damn manual, even if it's because I took the book and threw it at you. Yep. You have to at least read some of it. <laughs> I beat you with the book. You'll get the knowledge. I was going to say, we can <laughs> we can negotiate you being beaten with the book, and if it works, then I'm fine. But yeah, you need to at least have the book involved. <laughs> and now this is taking a whole different turn, but it works for our purposes. I mean, <laughs> it sounded good to me. Right? Suddenly I want to beat someone with a book. <laughs> but I mean, that, but going back to dynamics, like... That's the whole reason why dynamics can be helpful. Right. No. I mean, and that's the thing, like we've been talking about, like how dynamics are helpful and all this stuff, but dynamics can also be toxic as shit too. Oh no, absolutely. I think it's important to discuss that because it's like, get into kink and everything's all sunshine and roses, right? Like everybody's like, oh, unicorns and rainbows and look how beautiful everything is and everything's shiny and new. And then you have your first bad experience and you start questioning, holy shit, it's kink for me. Yeah. Right? Or, Holy shit! I've made I've made a mistake. I've clearly this was not for me because I should have seen this pitfall coming or like whatever, right? And that's where I say, talking about dynamics specifically, not fetish as a whole, even though uh, it can be applied that way, but dynamics specifically can be toxic as hell, especially if you have a dominant that is use behavior modification as a prime example. You know, you as new kinkster wants to explore DS, thinks it'll be fun to be owned, you know, thinks it's sexy to see how people are on a collar and a leash and they're being led around a dungeon or a play space, whatever. And they're like, oh, I want to do that. I want to emulate that. So they start their first dynamic with somebody so that they can emulate what they're seeing. Then they're like, yes, um, I want to do behavior modification. Teach me. And they don't realize the implications of what that behavior modification can do when you start screwing around with somebody's base personality. And you're trying to train these behaviors out of them and how quickly it can become abusive or how quickly it can become toxic because you didn't realize that you actually liked those parts of yourself. And now you've got a person trying to basically condition it out of you. So 
seen a lot of submissives come into Dynamics very, very bright-eyed, very much excited, very much in love with the lifestyle and in love with the dominant. And within a year, you see the light go out. Yeah. You see the light go out of their eyes. They're no longer excited to go to events. They really don't want to leave the house. You know, the sense of community is overwhelming to them because they're like, oh, it's all bullshit. They're all dramatic. I don't want to deal with all the drama. I just want to stay home and be kinky. Then you talk to them and, and ask them, what does your 24-7 look like? And they're like, oh, I mean, like I make coffee for someone and then that's that's it. And it's like, well, are you even having like kinky sex or no, no. Oh, everything's pretty vanilla. It's just, but I'm, but I'm collared. Yeah. They're, they're like, oh, but I made it because now I'm collared. And it's like, oh, pumpkin. You poor summer child. You've gotten shafted. That's yeah. what happened. Mm-hmm. Your dominant's lazy as shit. You've gotten shafted. And well, you're no longer is... effectively communicating. It Here's, I'm about to drop a bomb that nobody likes hearing and nobody likes mm-hmm. processing. And I don't mm-hmm. talk about it very often. But it's a very ugly truth, and it it doesn't change the truth of it. After 26 years of kink, this is not me speaking cocky. This is not me talking about myself as anything specific. Just so we're clear up front, this is not me thinking I mean, you're cocky, but it's different. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's within my own environment. But this is not me talking cocky as a general rule. Yeah, yeah. It's 26 plus years of experience, behavioral psychology, learning a few things about the way people operate. Dominance, by the very nature of what we are, are in high demand. We literally are providing a need. And I don't say that because submissives don't, too. Like, don't misunderstand me. It's not like there isn't both ends of that spectrum. But there is an ocean of submissives, whether they come to kink at 18 or 40, whether they're experienced or not, whether they've been toxically hurt, who ultimately still want to dominate. We are, by the very nature of our role, in high demand. It is a disservice and a discredit to ourselves, personally and as our role, to not recognize that. And part of that is recognizing, no, you don't need to be a fuckboy. Because there's always going to be a submissive looking for someone. You will always find more. In 26 years, I have never had a shortage of submissives looking to talk to me. Now, that doesn't make me special. It doesn't make me the hottest thing on sliced bread. It's not that I'm necessarily, you know, Adonis for that matter. It's that I provide a need and I'm capable of articulating it enough. And the problem is that enough is the barrier point where toxicity starts. Because Mm -hmm. any schmo off the street can fake it just enough for someone who doesn't know any better. And this goes back to consent, negotiation, and vetting. And why we emphasize it so hard. Ultimately, you have to filter the people you deal with because it's really easy to put that veneer up front that makes it look really good. And the problem is that because submissives are always needing a dominant, it's really easy for them themselves to talk themselves into. You know, it's no different than vanilla relationships in that regard of any kind of abuse level of. It's easy to reason away things that are yellow flags in pursuit of what you want it really is for people in general that is a species thing it's not a submissive thing it's not a dominant thing we as a cultural species easily talk away things that we consider minor in pursuit of what we want 
and you can't. Well, but to piggyback off that, I think in Kink specifically, what you're seeing is that on fast forward. Yes, exactly. In vanilla, yeah. in vanilla relationships, you see that. You see, you see it very much in the exact same, I would say even at the same rates. But I think in kink relationships, because there's so much intense focus on that interpersonal relationship and there's so much intense focus on the sexual component of it, everything is, is hyper fixated and fast forwarded. Yes. So that's why, like, one of the things I laugh about in a regular dating relationship, I say regular, vanilla dating, right? Somebody, you start dating. Um, if you were to move in with each other two weeks after dating, everyone would raise eyebrows. Yeah. Unless you're in a secular community. But everybody would raise eyebrows like, oh, my God, you're already moving in. You're talking about getting married. Oh, my God, it's only been two weeks. Like, are you sure about this? Like, what's going on? We're kind of worried for you. But in kink, it's like celebrity dating. In kink, things are so <laughs> fast forwarded that, like, literally, I've met people and within a month, they're like, yeah, so I'm collared. And yeah. you're like holy shit, that was fast. And they're like, yeah, I'm collared. We're talking about moving in together. And it's like, okay, but Molly, I know you're excited. Let's slow yourself down and really look at this. Are you compatible? Are your needs being met? Have you talked about what your needs are currently versus what your goals might be in two years, five years? You know, are you in a similar place in life so that you're not growing apart from each other? You're growing together. Yeah. And so in kink relationships, you'll see people dive into hardcore dynamics relatively quickly. Yeah. And, and I've seen it more with experienced folks. Yes. Not so much the newbies. It's your experienced folks because they know what they're looking for. They're craving it. They're purposely seeking it out. So when that person comes along that can deliver it, they're like pouncing on it like a tiger with a piece of meat. Absolutely. Like they're like, holy shit, here it is. Mine's, mine's, mine's. I need to color this one because I may not get another chance. Agreed. Right. And so like it, it kind of happens at a psychotic speed. It is very different than vanilla dating. So even within the kink community, your friends and your peers will still look at you and question how fast it was, but they won't have the same sense of alarm. I've noticed. And like, they don't no, have that's that accurate. Sense of danger. No, you'll still yeah. get the hairy eyeball after a month for sure. a lot of people, but it's not going to be a. It's not necessarily going to be inherently judgmental for most of them. It'll be exactly. a okay, but we'll see what happens, and that's really what it becomes: is we'll see what happens, not oh my god, how could you? Mm -hmm. Because there's still that natural tendency towards that might be a little quick, but instead of being judgmental about it, it's like, well, we'll see, maybe that works. And that, I think, is a difference by itself, is just being far more open to the idea that it could be. Um, it's being more knowledgeable and accepting of what people's dynamics and relationships are. And because, what they're yeah, capable can, of, right. And what they're capable of. Because if two people are really willing to make it work, it wouldn't matter mm -hmm. if it were 10 years down the road, two weeks down the road, or a month mm -hmm. down the road. Right. right. Time, time is relative when it comes to that. Because when two people connect yeah. on that level, they connect on that level. And if they are truly willing to make it work with the two of them, they will. That's I agree with that. And that's and that's what I'm saying is I'm not saying it like oh my god that could never work because right. how, how could you? What I'm saying is <laughs> that like your peer group looking in, you know, because we all have a tendency to to check our friends when we see things, right? Especially, I mean, if you're a good friend, anyway. Um, mm. You're not there just to watch the the house catch on fire, but you're there to help them build a house. Fair. Um, 
and so that's why I say a healthy community. You know, right. it's one thing to check in and be like, hey, I've noticed you're moving kind of fast. Just want to check in with you and make sure you know what you're doing. Or, you know, the other part of the people that are more judgmental. And it's just like, yeah, you're moving awful fast, aren't you? Right. You know? It's it's a whole different mindset. And, you know, I think having those check-ins are absolutely positive. But, yeah, I would never say that those types of relationships are bad or it's somehow wrong because it moved that fast. Right. I've seen a lot of long-term relationships start that way. And it was fully healthy. You know, mm-hmm. my husband and I are a prime example. You know, we met started dating it wasn't very long into that process that i was living with him right it wasn't very long into that process that i was collared you know it worked for us it was right for us and here we are almost 10 years later we're still together right. i'm no longer collared because you know i've explained that <laughs> in other episodes right but so we're no we're both do- co-dominating right but we still have a very healthy manageable fully functioning marriage and we've built a fully functioning BDSM household. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We did. Tr- I mean, truthfully, we only dated shit two months before we were playing house. I believe it. That's, yeah. that's well, fast. It's, that's fast. We, we talk about more than once about how, you know, part of the reason I point out that, you know, vanilla and monogamy are choices and they're valid choices and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with them. But I'm also the first person to point out that your kink relationships ultimately will be far more intense very Mm -hmm. rapidly and it's not because you can't enjoy yourself in vanilla more power to the people that do it's that they just operate at a different register because they don't live in a world where they play with each other's lives at risk and bodily harm on a constant Mm -hmm. basis like we do we build a different kind of intense trust and intimacy because what we do with each other on purpose engenders that by force because you have to have a certain level of trust for someone to come at you with a knife or a paddle or whatever on a constant basis <laughs> and trust that they won't put you in the hospital or that but you, you also have to... or that you'll communicate that they don't want to go to the hospital so that you don't keep going after they're well past stopping yeah. both sides of that require also... that and we're also both aware on both sides of it that we really don't want to hurt each other emotionally well, right emotional damage right i mean everybody everybody you, you want to go back to the one we were talking about one of the subs that have come out of certain relationships and they're jaded and i'm looking mm-hmm. at the lifestyle again like i don't know if i want to continue this you have dominants who have the same thing they will come out of a toxic relationship with the submissive and they'll be looking at it the same way like right. why do i want to stay in this is this is what i'm getting it's because of that yes. emotional damage i agree mm-hmm. there's no well, way around and- it and you can't be an adult and not have some emotional damage. Like, good God, we all have baggage. But it's like, are you bringing behind you an entire airport or are you bringing just, you know, a five-piece I mean, luggage set, right? I need right. to know that. <laughs> My rule of thumb but, is But again, that's that risk-aware. I'm just looking for baggage that goes with mine. Yeah. I'm that's that's complimentary baggage. baggage. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for luggage that complements mine. That's it. And if it does... And it's, it's not, not that I don't think you'll have any luggage. It's that I just want to make sure that mine and yours aren't so terribly mismatched that they won't work together anyway. Or that, you know, I need an extra bus I didn't plan for to pack it all in. <laughs> right. Well, um, even, if, all even, that, even in that sense, though, I mean, once you commit yourself to it, I mean. Well, the, yeah, the, but. The, the, the least you can do is at least write it until you both call it. I mean, that's fair, too. 
Um, I want to move away from the social aspects only because I definitely want to get into the meat of the topic today, too. And we want to make sure we get into that. Um, definitely. Don't get me wrong. All the social parts are definitely part of it, too. But there's there's the makeup of what it is itself that we still haven't actually addressed directly. And it's the very nature of power exchange, the very nature of I want more than someone who spanks me once a week or, mm -hmm. you know, who demo bottoms for me every month. And taking that to that different level, that lifestyle level of I want this to be my everyday life. I want this yep. to be your everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes back to what we said about the the speed differences. Uh, and I think that's a big one. And I'm going to simply talk about mine. I'm not going to say this is a barometer for everybody or should be. Um, this is simply the way I was raised into it because of the way my household had trained in. And it was very common back then across the board. Mm -hmm. But it goes back to what we start with vetting and consent and everything. But when you first meet someone in kink, and we move on to the, the DS aspect of it, and maybe you're, you've had a couple of scenes together, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've just met and you go on a coffee date together to talk about the rest. You know, that the vetting stage, basically. And I usually suggest mm -hmm. a vetting stage, at least for myself, is usually somewhere between one and two weeks. Because inside of two weeks, if you don't know if you want to pursue more with someone, then you probably shouldn't. Um, right. <laughs> if you have That's no fair. interest or can't tell if you are interested, you probably aren't enough to merit trying to build a relationship with someone. Don't hurt them by being stupid. Move on and find someone that actually tickles your pickle, as it were. Um, that analogy could apply to everything equally, but anyway. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter what your pickle looks like. The point is that it's tickled. Um, <laughs> so I know. Um, but then bad. you move from vetting, okay, you've decided that you don't hate each other. You've decided that you find compatible enough kinks that you want this to be not just every Saturday night at the club mm -hmm. or the dungeon or whatever. You want this to be everyday life. Mm -hmm. And you move in from vetting to what, you know, consideration, a.k.a. now consideration doesn't have the same meaning today that it did when we were, you know, st getting into things years ago even though it should as far as I'm concerned. And it's because the point of consideration is the dominant is considering the submissive for active service. That is literally what considering was meant to be. It is the submissive applying for and asking for the dominance, dominance, as it were. Excuse the expression. It's literally seeking the power exchange. It's requesting to be taken control of is the original intent. Now, granted, this was back in the day where you had a lot less open toxicity and mixed genders. So it was very much a case where it was gay, you know, gay leather on gay leather more often than not. So there wasn't really a question of all the other semantics. Sure. So it was a norm for the bottom to come to the top and a request to be theirs. And the point mm -hmm. of it being consideration was it would be ultimately one to three months, depending on how well you mesh and how long you've known each other experiences, etc. But it mm -hmm. would be f up to three months for the dominant to consider taking you on as a long-term submissive. That was the point. Now, in this mm -hmm. day and age, it doesn't have to be a case where you apply. The dominant can certainly actively seek you out as well at that junction. And consideration yes. can be relative in that regard. And I say that for a reason. Because it can be as simple as you already know you want each other and inside of two weeks of the intimacy strong enough, you know, you go with what you go with. Like, you know, we pointed out earlier about just because speed dating is a thing, 
you know, it can go both ways. And there's nothing wrong with it being a case where you work past the norms or what we considered the norms. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Mm -hmm. um, but you move from consideration to training. And training standard, at least back in the day, was a minimum of one year and a day. No exceptions. It was a minimum of a year of training. And that wasn't just training their submissive to be your submissive. It was ensuring their education level about kink. It was both. Yes. And that's why it was a year and a day. It didn't matter if you were 50. It didn't matter if you were 20. You took on that submissive in all capacities. And that mm -hmm. meant educating them in the things they're missing if they needed it. It was shoring up what education they already had, as well as training them to suit your needs as a dominant. It was both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So collaring, even on a minor scale, other than, I mean, day collars are one thing, play collars or event collars so that people knew who were who, that was one thing. But a proper permanent collar was a minimum year in a day or more because in the kink community, and I still treat it as such, I recognize it as the equivalent of a wedding ring. It is a commitment level that is the equivalent of marriage hmm? for life. And that's what a collar is supposed to be about. It's for life. That is not an undertaking you take lightly, and it's not something you should pursue lightly. Because it isn't a, well, this didn't work for us, let's get a divorce. There's a different level of commitment involved, because it's about serving each other, too. There's a different depth. And you should treat it with the severity it deserves. For your sake, not for anyone else. It's not about your dominant or your bottom or your rooting. It's for yourself. Mm -hmm. You should treat it with the severity it deserves because you're undertaking something that you want to pursue for the rest of your life. At least that's the original idea. Now, if for some reason you're like, well, I just want to call her because he's cute. Uh, you, we, we won't get into that nonsense. You know where that is and where it is. And, you know, <laughs> and it happens. <laughs> But when you'd sit there and tell me, oh, yeah, he collared me after a week. Oh, really? That's nice. Mm -hmm. Now, is it possible that after a week they're going to show signs that they're healthy? Yeah, it's not impossible. Anything is possible. So not the norm. But it's going to be so abnormal that you have to recognize that people are going to give you a little bit of the stink eye till you prove otherwise. Because on average, you know, 85 plus percent of the time, it's not going to work. Because you don't know each other well enough. You don't have enough experience, sometimes not even within kink, and that's why it happens so fast to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I've I've even met some misses where I've had the conversation and they, they get, you know, mildly upset about the idea of it being a year of training before they get a collar when they talk to me. And they're like, Why so long? Because I don't expect you to be competent enough to be out in public saying you're my submissive until then. Right. Not because I think you're dumb. If I thought you were dumb, we wouldn't be talking. <laughs> like, that wouldn't even be an right. existing question. It's because no I know the things I need you to understand. Not just for when we go out in public, because even in a non-master-slave dynamic, I need you to still be recognized as mine when we go out to events. Mm -hmm. It's that I want you to have the understanding of how other people will react and behave as well. And I want you to be confident, comfortable, and knowledgeable both in your place in life with me and without me, as well as the ability to go to a community event and hold your own and have conversations on the topics you enjoy. Mm 
yeah. beyond, I don't know anything, can you teach me more? Because there are things that I'm not going to be able to cover intrinsically. I am not a book of encyclopedia kink. There are things I don't know as well as I do others. Now, granted, it what? you know this many decades of experience, there's not as many of them anymore. But there's still <laughs> things that I am not expert at. Gunplay is a great example. I am not an experienced practitioner of gunplay. I don't personally play with it, and it's not my arena of expertise. I will actively direct you to people that do. <laughs> but I don't personally play with that arena. So I would not assume that you would expect to get that from me, but I would make sure that you know people that can get that for you. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's the other part of training, is it's not just about building with each other. It's building a network. It's building a support group of other people that are like-minded who you can deal with. Like, the reason we had a household, the whole reason Leather has households, or had households, I should say, I know there's still some out there, but it's not like it used to be by any stretch. And it doesn't necessarily need to be. But the reason they existed the, in the entity that they were at the time, it wasn't just so that dominance could hang out together like a frat service. It was so submissives had each other as a group to come to when they had questions and details. Like not catching everything that would happen at a high protocol dinner. It was their first time in the house. And they asked to attend. And they didn't mm -hmm. necessarily say have a personal dominant yet. They had other they had the head, you know, the head submissive or the on girl or whatever your particular Major Domo. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I you know. Mm -hmm. The person to go to and ask questions for that would not make you feel bad or inferior, and just as importantly, would not break protocol if you were in a high protocol environment. So That's you had one. that support group to turn to. You were not expected to live in a vacuum mm -hmm. of the dominant is your whole life. And other than that, you don't get anything. No, 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 no. It was meant to be a full community. That's healthy. Exactly. That's a healthy way to set it up. It was meant I mean, to be support for all, not just the yeah. two of you together. And it isn't even well, that you had to live there. It's that you had people to communicate with when you needed something you could not get from each other for whatever that reason might be. Well, that's because learning in a vacuum is never healthy. Right. Have To have a household to pull from and have a household's worth of experience, uh -huh. you know, different experiences. Like that's, that's something else that I've always been particular about with my dynamics. I, in my household, but I purposely find people that I can learn from just as much as they can learn from me. So while I may be imparting my kink knowledge to you and fostering your growth in kink, I'm in turn going to learn something from you, whether it's a life experience, a skill, you know, a different ideology, or something I'm getting from you in return. I agree. 100%. I mean, because it's... Or exchange. Yeah, so, exactly. It's, it's an even exchange in that regard. You know, and I make, make it clear from the outset what those hopes and dreams are, what they look like, so that it's not just... You know, I'm like a kink instructor. You know, <laughs> go ahead and drop your quarter, and here's your lesson for the oh, day. Jesus. <laughs> well, but I mean, but again, Dom again, that's why, but, I mean... <laughs> but that's why I've got the Dombot 5000. No, that's exactly where that yeah. came from. No, but it, because I've had that, people people have come to me. I've hey, given you my quarter. Fishing. Tell me what I need to know. Yeah. Give me my fortune. <laughs> like, 
Yes, one day you too shall be a reigning dominant. Oh, God. Um, Christ. But I mean, but I've had that, right? Because no, people, they're like, right. you have a BDSM household. It runs well. Uh, teach me how to do that. And I'm like, well, how long have you been in kink? Oh, two years. But we're, we're putting together a kink house, and I already, I drew up a kink flag. We have a leather patch. We're going to do this. And I'm like, awesome. So what do you guys stand for? I was going to say, it looks pretty, but what's actually like, underneath it? Like yeah. You did all this great surface level shit. You made an Instagram account for your leather house. Like, okay. Like, I'm not going to throw shade on that. Whatever. You know, we'll call it new age leather kink stuff. Okay. But That's then, nice, but, but what are you there like, for? What's your structure? For real. Oh, right. For real, and that's but that's exactly the problem. No, absolutely, and, and I and they come to you like teach me these things, Obi Wan, and I'm like, I don't have the time for that level of bullshit. I am the last person on earth to shit on someone starting a new leather household this agent. You know what I mean? No, because it's way too hard. Like, kudos to you for even trying. Right, but yeah. in order for me to be comfortable with you calling yourself a leather household out in public, I need to know that you're actually going to be aware of what you're selling. And it's not – I was trying to get away with the social aspects of this, but there's really no way to do so. <laughs> there isn't any We're not even meaning to talk about leather, but here we are. Um, <laughs> nature of the beast and all that shit. Yes, it is. <laughs> if you tell your – if you go out in public and you're going to call yourselves a leather house, as a leather person, I need to know you don't look like a moron. Because some poor schmuck out there is going to see your house as the first example of leather they know. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not, I don't need you to be an expert. I don't need you to be the old man and you know in the back who's been gay leather from San Francisco from 1950 and he's got the freaking you know embossed fucking cover. I don't need you to be that guy to run a household. I promise. I really don't. <laughs> but I need you to be capable of articulating why you're a leather house. That's all. I need there to be meat underneath the pretty flag. Sure. It's that simple. And the meat doesn't even have to be super deep yet. It, yeah, we're, we understand the values and we really like them. We want to live by them. We're still learning some of it. I can work with that. That is an honest answer. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that answer at all. Because you're okay to not be fully experienced yet. I don't want to be like, well, leathers look pretty, and we love leathers. We all wear leather, and that's why we're a leather house. No. <laughs> that's why you like leather, and there's nothing wrong with we that. Thought, but please don't put up a cool, flag. Dude. <laughs> yeah, right? We that's thought it'd all. be cool, dude, so we just did it. You know, we're just going to frat boy this. Just why not? Leather vests are sexy, right? Right? I mean, they are. That's, well, that's they are, but, you know. <laughs> leathers are sexy, but leathers are sexy for a different reason to us. Right. Than we're to those people. Well, and coming back around to the power exchange factor, it's mm -hmm. it's not an, unlike the same thing. Like, I have, for lack of a better description, I can use the example of since my divorce, I, in the intervening year or so that I met, before I met Syria and now we're a thing and all of that, before that, there was a range of submissives who I had communicated with. And some Cast of them were... Something like that. And of those, it wasn't even casting the net. And this is what I mean by we're in a higher demand than people realize. I don't advertise that I'm looking as a dominant. I don't need to. No. I no. am a dominant of 26 years. I 
I've actually had to have this conversation with people I've mentored because I warned them of this. And it's something I warned them about. And people look at me weird when I say warn them, but it really is a thing. You need to recognize that the moment you talk like you know what you're doing, you are going to have what we refer to as the moth to the flame problem. Yes. You are a representative of all things kink. More importantly, you are representative of the control factor that is craved by submissives everywhere. The moment mm -hmm. you articulate like you have some idea of what you're talking about, for every submissive you are going to have to hunt down, communicate with, and convince that you're worth it, which honestly are sometimes the better ones to go with anyway, as long as it's not unhealthy, because they're going to be as cautious as you are, and that's what you want. You are going to have half a dozen more with no experience, freshly divorced, cheating on their husband or wife. You're going to have all of those that because you're a dominant, they want what you got. No matter what health level that would take. Mm -hmm. And you need to be responsible enough for yourself and for them to recognize that sometimes just because it's a pretty face doesn't mean it's worth pursuing. You have mm -hmm. to. Most of them are worth pursuing. And it's not, it's not a case where I'm bragging. It's not a case where I'm talking about where God's gift to submissives. Or, it's not that. <clears throat> it's the nature of power exchange dynamics. The whole point of the power exchange, they are giving us power on purpose mm -hmm. so that they don't have to have it. <laughs> True. That's literally mm -hmm. the point. So by nature, someone who articulates that they can do that gender's interest from those that don't have it. Mm -hmm. Just like, as I've said before in both our last episode and many other places, we as dominants seek submissives who seek service. Because we need to scratch that itch as much as they do. Mm -hmm. And that's why that problem is a problem. Because as a fresh dominant, if you're not prepared for the flood that will come your way as long as you're not, you know, hideous or toxic on you know, with a neon sign held up, you're going to get attention. Whether you like it or not, you're going to. And not all of that attention is going to be remotely positive. In fact, most of it won't be. No. And you not need to be stage. responsible for you and for them. Because sometimes it's someone who just doesn't know any better. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're maybe they're on the end of a divorce or not even divorced yet, and you're everything they need you to be. Well, that's yeah. great. And I'm more power to them for wanting the right person at the wrong time. And you still need to be the responsible party to pull back and say, not yet. Mm -hmm. When the paperwork's mm -hmm. dry, we'll talk, if you're still interested. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that either, if you're both mm -hmm. being ethical and safe. Well, but The trick I is mean, that people don't. <laughs> it also doesn't mean that you're dropping that person on their ass because they came to you that way. You can still forge a friendship. You can still form a dynamic of another sort. Right. It just exactly. won't necessarily be a DS one. At least not at the outset. I mean, that's, yeah. No, it's... It's what I say about the fact that I've been an actively practicing polyamorous person my entire life. And I have been. Since I was old enough to date actively. Mm -hmm. Which I've never really been in dating, but that's another story. The nature of being kinky your entire grown-up life. Um, right. I've just lived in a different circle, and I'm okay with that. But I've always said that I treat everything like a coffee date when I meet someone new. 
mm-hmm. it's because it's not necessarily a romantic date. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of that date. Right. And sometimes I make new friends. Sometimes I build networks. Sometimes I find a partner. Mm-hmm. And you don't know which one it's going to be until you find out. So I always stress coffee dating because you know what? Your potential communication with that person could go so many different directions and they could all be wonderful if you're being smart with each other and ethical. Sure. That doesn't mean it has to become a relationship in the fullest sense. Mm-hmm. Or a relationship really of that good. kind. I mean, everybody has relationships of all sorts. I mean, friendships yeah. are still relationships. Well, and it's why well, I and, have... and they're no less valid. Right. And it's, like it's not saying it one is like more superior to the other. It just looks different. That's all. Well, yeah. and it's why I still have contacts in Florida, California, Minnesota. It's why, you know, Knox has the people in her phone tree, so to speak, for people who she used to deal with. And still it's a kinky Rolodex. Right. <laughs> and it's because an you build child. that over time if you're being ethically active in your networking. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about finding Mr. or Miss Wright dominant, submissive, whatever it happens to be. Mr. Submissive, that's an idea. Um, it's it's <laughs> about Mr. finding connections. <laughs> it's, finding, it's, finding, it's finding real connections with real people right? in real time. And it's not and about it what matter. those connections are. It's about no, pursuing them all. in general to see yep. what they become. Mm-hmm. And I'm always the person. I've had more than one person like give me the hairy eyeball when I suggest a coffee date. I'm like, Coffee date does not mean that you necessarily have to go home with me. It means that I'm curious to get to know you better and to see mm-hmm. what comes from that. If Minimal that investment. turns into a wonderful friendship, awesome. If it turns into more, even better. If it does none of those things, that's okay. It's the price of coffee. Yeah, I'm not out an investment of my time other than a couple hours. Which is what I'm looking for or I wouldn't have been offering in the first fucking place. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in in the nature of power exchanges, I live in that environment even more. You know, I don't know how many coffee dates I went on between the time it took me to get divorced to the time I actually met Syria. But there was quite a few. Sure. And some of them turned into things. Some of them turned into less things. Some of them are just people I still talk to. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. Um, The best example of that is like uh, the House of the Dragon. Um, Drake at his household, who's a a gentleman I know up in Sacramento who happens to be a very healthy, active household. I don't think he's leather necessarily, but he runs a kink household and he runs parties out of his own home and he, he caters himself. He's a baker. He's really awesome dude. And I would have never met him in the short time I was in Sacramento. If I was not actively networking when I was there, Mm -hmm. I don't live in Sacramento and I'm never going to live in Sacramento. I tried it. I'm never going to do that again, but I still met someone who was awesome enough to be worth knowing and being able to refer to people like we've had people on the server who live in that area mm-hmm. and being able to point out to them when they don't know the community around them yet. Hey, this is someone you should look into. Yeah. Here's somebody safe and worthwhile that exactly. I can tell you. Exactly. Yeah. And here's somebody they who's are actually actively, helpful. Right. And he's actively tied into the local community up there in North Cal. So he is a great person to network with because they can show you, introduce you to other people in your area that will fit your needs. Mm-hmm. So just knowing that person gives me something where I can help someone else for them. Okay. And that to me is about, this goes back to education being a fetish. If mm-hmm. I can't help you directly, knowing I can steer you in the direction of people who can is a big deal to me. 
so that I can send you in the right direction to enjoy yourself. Just because your kink journey and mine don't mesh doesn't mean I don't want you to have a healthy, evolved journey. I want you to enjoy the kinky fuckery as much as I enjoy mine. So whatever tools I can give you to do that matter just as much as whether or not it's involving me. Yeah. More so with power exchanges in that regard, because I don't know... I don't know how many people I've talked to who could have been potential submissives either by their own design or mine. But the majority of them I've sent on their merry way in the right direction of people that would suit them better. Whether it's they didn't know the community well enough, whether they're looking for something specific I won't provide, but I know someone who does. Mm -hmm. All of that counts. And even then, that's kind of like a teachable format of a power exchange. They came to me seeking something and, and I took control the right of the situation to and put them in the right place to get it. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea. A, <clears throat> let me, I have a very lovely example of that. I mean, we still see another person who's on this server. She shows up every now and then, but not very often. Sometimes she'll still hop into DC. So I remember Zelo. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When, uh, when another person who used to be on the server and I first started out, and Elo was a part of that, it was sort of a, you know, it was, it was a, it was a round robin a bit. After a while, you know, after you know, he and I had spoken quite a bit, we'd gotten to know each other quite well, and I just happened to know a few people who were around the world, and I pointed <laughs> her in the proper direction, and she found herself what she was looking for, right in Australia. Aww. No, that's awesome. It's just okay. knowing the it's knowing the proper people and the right things. It was just one of those days. It was like, okay, it's time for you to get up, and it's time for you to find what it is that you were looking for. Right. Because this is not what you're looking for. Go get it. Well, go well, this everybody direction. deserves to be go. happy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> and as a dominant, it's your responsibility to recognize where you may not be the person who will make them happy. Yeah, but which is a crappy right realization too. To get it to some, well, yeah, it can be. It depends on I mean, the situation, but it absolutely can be, and I've been there too. Like where it's you realize that this is not going to be a good thing for both of you, and you kind of have to pull the plug on it while it's still getting rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to not feel good about it. There's nothing wrong with that. That's healthy. But it's just as healthy to recognize that's the case and mosey them down the road to someone who can, mm-hmm. whether it's directly or at least pointing them in the right direction. And setting them down gently so you don't hurt them more than you have to. And those things count. It does count. It is part of that responsibility. And it's the part nobody likes to talk about. <laughs> you know, it's all well and but good to pick up a truth. battle and beat some ass. And it's all well and good to, you know, set up a contract with 30 rules on it where they're going to obey you and set up your coffee or whatever else. And those are good things. <laughs> don't get me wrong. These are great things. <laughs> I will never say otherwise, let me tell you. But... The healthy, responsible part of our role also includes being able to interpret when people come to us with needs and send them in the right direction for their needs regardless of us is a very important part of our role. And it's one that's taken for granted all the time. Yes. Because the moment you step into the limelight, now, You as a person, if you're just in your community, if that, and you're just with your particular partner and you do your thing, and that's great, you're not going to get the same level of that because you're not interacting with the environment around you the same way. 
-hmm. but you know devil in myself but even more so like in your case Knox, because you are actively involved not just in your local community but actively help run it out Mm -hmm. of some major nodes both online and offline you are in that limelight on a continual basis Mm -hmm. so you get a lot more of that than the average joe would as it were you it's the nature of the beast you're out there in the limelight Mm -hmm. representing absolutely so it's something you deal with on a more regular basis than say even i do and i get my share just by proxy of experience and just being around you know i i still won't forget like i haven't had one of those where it was a it wasn't an auction group but it was similar to an auction group when i was still exploring what the digital world looked like because i didn't know any better yet um because <laughs> it was right after I, my separation and i didn't know any better i didn't I had spent so long with this person when I was married that I literally was not fully immersed or aware of how the digital kink world had evolved. Mm. So it was a very rude awakening when I first delved into it and found the auction groups and the harem groups and all the wonderful, filthy grossness that goes with that. Mm. Um, So I didn't know any better at first, and I was still learning, and I was taking it a grain of salt at a time. I was like, well, let me see. Let me see if there's any content worthy of the effort here, because Mm -hmm. I didn't know yet. And I won't ever say that there's no content. It's just very different, and it's not one I recommend. Um, But I had people who would approach me there who you would have the ex-wives, the not yet Mm -hmm. ex-wives, ex-husbands, not yet ex-husbands. And it's the not yet's that were the problem because you had people who were actively with other people. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that I could hold a conversation over the course of several days of introductions to sound like I knew what I was talking about. You'd have people pop into my DMs like, hey. Because in that world, it was very different that way. And I represented something they couldn't get, even in that particular circle. Because the average, I. I I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but the the usual tops and dominance of that circle were either inexperienced, cheating, or unethical, more often than not, more than they were anything else. Or all of the above. And I, I can't help the fact that that's true, but it's true, whether I like it or not. And I'm not trying to shit on anybody, it's just the facts. And unfortunately, that means that I represented something that was uncommon in that arena. A dominant, both well-versed in the community, well-versed in experience, and capable articulating it in a healthy, ethical way. Yeah. Which was abnormal. I wasn't another guy looking to see pictures of you nude day one. You know, I wasn't the, I will show you all your dark (laughs) fantasies, but show me your boobs first. How dare you? How dare you? Why not? That comes after we Subscribe to it. my OnlyFans. Wait a minute now. I thought we were supposed to charge them to send us news. <laughs> right? Like, and see, the jokes are a great example Ain't of what my I'm dick. talking about, though. Yeah, really. Show me all your darkest fantasies. Anyway. I get the rape my dick thing constantly. That's why oh, I say that. God. Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying, since we're talking about cesspools. No, I know. I just, but it, it's it's a great example of the fact that for every dominant who's out there who is actively, ethically trying to do their best, 
there's so many more that aren't. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them that's out there actively not doing that make it harder for us. Well, and it more importantly, it dilutes the message. And that's the part that I have the concern with is there's so many submissives out there who don't. You do not have the tools as a submissive to automatically filter out shitty doms if they're capable of articulating mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that it's not hard to articulate enough on a digital screen. It's just not. That's very true. And I'm, I'm not trying to get back into a chapter of vetting because we've done that already. And we did a whole ridiculous number of hours on it. Um, <laughs> with good reason. It's oh, one yeah. of the most important parts of the process. But as a dominant, taking on the role of actively pursuing a submissive or actively seeking a submissive to pursue you, for training, for collaring, mm-hmm. for long-term commitment, you have to be responsible. You have to take the right. risk. Even with someone you don't plan to actively date, right. you are still going to have people that come to you for questions, for hope, seeking for you to be that person, even though you shouldn't be. And it is mm-hmm. your responsibility, whether you like it or not, to deal with that because you chose the hat. You chose to wear the hat of a dominant. That hat has a lot of reins and weights on it. It does. We don't talk about it that often, but it absolutely does. And I don't want to, we're going to dig into that in a whole separate episode at one point, but it needs to be said here because that whole process of finding a submissive who finds you ethically in the place you both need to be to pursue it long term. Requires you to be the responsible party because sometimes they won't be able to be. If you meet someone who's 30 and maybe they've had a couple of years in the lifestyle, maybe they've had none, maybe they've had one or two really shitty fake doms or practicing doms that weren't actually healthy, and that's their experience with kink. You now, as a responsible dominant, meet that person and they wow you for whatever the reason is. Maybe they're just pretty and they're capable of articulating their intelligence to you at the same time. And whatever it is, it does something for you, regardless of what it is. We're not getting into that semantic. Whatever it is that floats both of your boats and you want to see more, it is up to you to recognize all the things that go with that. The fact that they are going to have unhealthy, traumatizing issues from another person that you have to work with. This also does flow back into the power exchange. It does flow back well, that's into exactly, your yeah. time, energy, and effort. Because mm-hmm. I, you can run into those types of mm-hmm. relationships and styles. That, oh, yeah. You know, they, they do come with quite a bit of trauma from quite a bit of things that have happened through their past that make, whether they like it or not, they see things in a different light. And certain actions and certain steps may trigger that. And then you're back to square one all over and you have exactly. to come back to yourself and ask, am I still willing to put forth this effort? And it's when, yeah. you, it's when, you, when you put yourself to that point, if you can still answer yes, then you may have found what it is that you're actually looking for. Right. But you still, have to yeah. ask, you still have to ask the other party on that one. Are you still willing to put forth the effort to make this work? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's where the this, little things... Back, like, Go ahead. Now... It's, it's where that power exchange actually comes in, and it's where that right. equality between the, between the two of them is, is because it's not just one-sided. It's both sides putting forth that effort. 
No, absolutely. Um, yeah. And this is why I'm I'm a fond believer since I found it for the first time of uh, there's an article battery of questions called 30 Days of Submission. Um, hmm. And I will find a good link for that and share it in the learning materials section at some point today um, because I do really like it. And it's a yeah. great I find it's a great vetting tool, actually. Because it lets a submissive dive through their own, whether they're experienced or not, doesn't matter. And that's why I like it. It gives them prompts to articulate and process what they're looking for in a power exchange. What it means to them, how it looks, what they want their dominant to look like, etc. In a perfect environment, obviously. (laughs) But it means they have to think it through. And it means you can read those questions and interpret what they're looking for. And -hmm. just as importantly, interpret whether or not you mesh with it and be able to conversate about it. If nothing else, it's a great talking point to start off because Mm -hmm. it gives you common ground to have a conversation about it with instead of, I'm not sure where to start with this person, especially if they're inexperienced. Yeah. Or maybe they have six months of experience in the community they at least understand what vetting means and that's how they've gotten to you but that's all they know it gives you an icebreaker point about your kink experience and how that will relate to each other and i think that's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. because it is hard to break that initial ice of okay you like me i like you we don't both think we're like wet dogs in a trap now what do we do and unfortunately, no matter how good of a dom you are, that shit happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you sit down, you've had your coffee date, everything seems swimming. Fuck, now what do we do? <laughs> how do we take that to the next step? Oh, right. There's this whole thing we got to do. It's a good way to start that process that takes the reins off of it for both of you and puts it in a perspective where they're already leading in a direction and you can help direct from there. It gives you something to work with as well. It's a great toolbox. You know, everything that happens after that is between the two of you, whether it's whether it's you're teaching them, you're both teaching each other, whether you're getting taught, whether you're often learning from everyone else together, whatever your dynamic holds, it's a good starter point. You know, it's one thing like you or me or somebody who's got some experience, like where we kind of have an idea of where we want to ask these questions and what ones we want. That's great. But for the up and coming dominant who's got a year of experience, five years experience, even 10 years experience, who are still just, you know, like all of us kinksters, socially awkward as fuck. And, you know, you found your submissive and that she's pretty and she's everything you want her to be or everything he wants to be and you've gotten as far as they aren't a complete fucking tool and you want to see what happens next. Crap, but now I don't know what to ask them to see if it's worth it for them or for me. Here you go. (laughs) Here, have something. Because no one's psychic. That's true. Doesn't matter how good of a dominant or how experienced you are, you're not psychic. You're never going to be. It doesn't matter how much they think you are, you're never going to be. So you give yourself the best possible tools to do the best you can and do the best they can. And I think that's just as important. Because all the things that come later, all the kinky fuckery, all the serving coffee, all the all the things that go with your dynamic once that takes off, 
is wonderful shit. And it's what we're here for. Literally, it's what we're here for. Whatever form that may take. But you have to start somewhere beyond, well, I don't feel like I'm talking to a brick and they're not ugly. I'm good. You know, unfortunately, (laughs) well. (laughs) It's it's, it's finding and making that emotional connection. And -hmm. and that can sometimes be the hardest part, especially if you Especially if you are, you know, you've had your fair share. It happens. I mean, oh, it does. You, you look at JC and I. I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking for it at all. I was at that at the point in time I actually met her. I was pretty much to the point of like, fuck this. I'm just going to spend the rest of my life alone. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm I tired get that one. That's how it happens. It's just sort Absolutely. of where I was. I mean, just like a fucking freight train. Just boom, out of the middle, out of out of nowhere. <laughs> and I wasn't quite there yet when I met Syria, but I was heading in that direction myself. I get it, one hundred percent. And it just kind of lands mm-hmm. in your lap unexpectedly. It's like, oh, well, okay then. See, I was like that with Viking. I was, I had just gotten divorced and was still in my slut phase. I own that completely. I, in fact, I remember telling him when he told me that he was looking for a partner and like a wife and things like that. I was like, so I will keep your bed warm until you find her. <laughs> I told him that, like out but loud. You were honest about it. Like that's kind oh, of the part that matters. You recognize no, that you were able to articulate it. That's all that matters mm-hmm. in that equation. Absolutely. That's why I said it the way I did. I was like, no, I'll keep your bed warm until you find her because I'm I'm not your girl. Like I'm not looking to be married. I'm not trying to be wifed up. I'm sure I'm not looking to have kids or anything like that. It's just not where I'm at in my life. Right. It was not a goal of mine ever. And so he was like, because I had just gotten out of a twelve year relationship. So I was like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm totally good. It's fine. And within a month of us dating, he looked me dead in the face one morning. He's like, I'm going to marry you. I'm like, no, you're not. He's like, yeah, we'll see. And two years later, we got married. <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. But, but he knew. Get... He, he was like, yeah. I, I knew you were the one. He's like, I just needed you to, to realize that you were my one. You just needed time yeah. to come around to it for yourself. Absolutely. Pretty much. Well, and he, and gave I think me, that's... You know, he gave me that leeway. It was cute. No, for sure. It was, it was organic, you know. Right. No, that's a beautiful thing, and that's how it should be. But that's people that notice still mock us for it because they think it's hilarious. Because now here I am, you know. <laughs> I mean, a I mom, think it's funny, wife, but I completely else. appreciate where it goes, one hundred percent. But I'm, I'm always the one. We've, where it goes. We've talked yeah. before about the fact. I always look at intimate kink relationships as like speed dating on reverse, because we, when you come <laughs> to meet someone in kink for the first time, the first thing you do is not find out if you're capable of having a conversation. You've already gotten that part. Like, when you sit down and have a coffee date with someone in the kink world, you've already decided, you know, you've obviously already decided at the very least that you are compatible enough to hold a conversation about kink. Which -hmm. means you've already accepted there's a sexual level of environment involved. There's already a level of, I want them to know what kinks I have and vice versa, Mm -hmm. because those might meet in the middle. So the attraction part here's of it's the, already taken out of the equation because it's already there. It's here's the major. Go ahead. The major kicker for you on that one. Okay, mm-hmm. so you two are compatible. You can have a conversation about kink. Maybe you're you're a little more compatible than that. You can actually have a conversation about life in general, what's going on. But how fucking compatible are the two of you? Exactly. When it comes down to you both sitting next to each other in silence for hours, uh-huh. not speaking. Just My personal existing. favorite. 
Viking and I, we start dating. And uh, first time he went to order pizza for us because we were, you know, you're in that lust phase, right? So you're like, hey, we're, we've been boning all day. We should probably get food. And uh, he was like, uh, uh, I know what you like sexually, and I don't know what you like on your pizza. Yep. Yep. That was like, example. And it, and it was because we met on Fun Life, right? Right. right. And so it was like, oh, you, you know, you're right. We talked about all the sexual stuff up front, but I don't know what your favorite color is. Exactly. I don't know what you like on your pizza. What kind of wine do you like? Or do you prefer beer? Are you a tea or coffee person? And we were like, holy shit, we haven't had these conversations. And that's normal. Exactly. Yeah. It is. It's, totally it's literally the nature of kink is we're dating in reverse because we, we seek sexual compatibility first because of the nature of what we do for fun. Mm-hmm. And how to be people with each other second instead of the other way around, where Vanilla Land, they're worried about how their sexual compatibility comes out as a primary goal. For us, that's the, well, we've already established that, but how do we interact as people beyond that? (laughs) And I think it's part of why our relationships build the way they do very differently and more healthy. They do. That's because it's that people side of it. You have to openly communicate with each other because that's where the work is. You already know you're sexually compatible. You already know that you love putting bruises on said person's ass or <laughs> receiving said per- said bruises from the- it's that other side of it is okay. Now how are we going to mesh mm-hmm. as two human beings? And I always keep that in mind. Is I have you have to accept them as that human being. They are a human being. They have their flaws. Everybody's perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. We all have our own shit. Okay. Let's do some wrap-up time here because we want to make sure we cover the things we may or not have thought of, but I want to make sure we cover it before we wrap up for the day. Is there any final any final primary topic we haven't covered that we can think of? Power exchanges are customizable to everybody as they see fit for them. However, as long as you make sure that your power exchange is healthy for you, which is the whole goal. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's a TV. doesn't matter if it's just a standard power exchange. doesn't matter if it's light, heavy doesn't matter at all. Just make sure that you can always customize it for the people involved. Exactly. I'll agree with that. I like that. It's a great way of putting it. Final thoughts with Jack Candy. (laughs) (laughs) And you see why I say that. Oh, no, absolutely. I thought it was appropriate. Mm -hmm. That was a really good way of saying it. It really works. It does. Um, for you, Knox, anything last? I can't think of anything that we haven't already covered. Um, I mean, I th- the biggest thing is no two dynamics are going to look exactly alike. No. And that doesn't make them wrong. Right. As long as they work for you and you feel it's a healthy dynamic, then it's a positive dynamic. Um, likewise, I think people need to be self-aware and cognizant enough to know when it's not, so that they can either repair it or exit it. Be critical with yourself. That's the other thing. Yes. You have to be critical with yourself. I'll agree with that. Because mm-hmm. that, that will evolve as you evolve, and that's normal. But even with the criticisms, make sure when you are being critical with yourself that you're not allowing your fear to overcome. Correct. Because you, yeah, you don't let it overshadow. Yourself, you could walk yourself right out of something because, mm-hmm. what, you're afraid you might get hurt, or you're afraid that maybe they're not like in that power exchange, you're afraid they're maybe not putting forth the same amount of effort that you yeah, are. You right. still have to take yourself. You still have to take yourself a moment to walk in their shoes and not live mm-hmm. in your fear. Right. 
we still have to openly communicate the fact that, hey, I'm feeling a little bit scared right now, or maybe I'm feeling this or maybe I'm feeling that. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get reassurance from the other person because maybe they're in their own shit too, but you still have to openly communicate and and hope that they're going to. That is part of that power exchange. Mm-hmm. But that comes back out of the social construct of just being a human being and trying to openly We just yeah. push it a lot harder in this lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I like that. I I always end up coming back to the same thing because there's a reason I keep the message clear. But for anyone listening today, anyone who listens via the feed, via Spotify, come to the server and come out it later, whatever. It doesn't matter. However you end up hearing this, however you manage to get to this end of the podcast, if you have questions, if you have information you don't have yet and you want more, if you're looking to learn anything, email me, message me, get a hold of me. I'm out there. You can find me easy enough if you really want to. I'm not exactly hidden. And it doesn't matter if you're looking to be, you know, to ask questions about this particular episode, if you're looking to ask questions about kink in general, if you're trying to network and you don't know where the hell you are, reach out. I will do my damnedest to help you. That's the simple truth. When it comes to getting back to the kinky fuckery, I will go out of my way to help you on your journey, whether that involves me or not. And that's the part that matters. Mm-hmm. I will do my best to help you get where you're going. Because that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. And with that, everybody, thank you for coming, listening. Thank you for putting up with us for however long. Thank you very <laughs> much for coming. Enjoy. Yay. Have a good day. Yeah. Peace.